Let's turn together this morning to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. And we'll be looking again this morning at verse number 15, primarily the second half of the verse we began looking at last week. 1 John chapter number 2, just looking at verse 15 this morning. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Our subject this morning is that last part of that verse, the love of the Father is not in him. Remember, the prohibition that we looked at last week was very clear and direct by John as he's right under the inspiration of the Spirit. He says, love not the world. And we looked at what that meant last week about what the world is, what the world is not. And he said, neither the things that are in the world. Very clearly, there is a line of distinction being made between the things of the world and the things of God. John, in the second part of this verse, is giving us an explanation. And really, again, a line in the sand, if you will. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Notice that phrase, the love of the Father. We looked at this in a preview last week that the love of the Father here is not his love for us, but it means our love for God. A person who loves the world, clearly it says that the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, he does not have a love for the Father if he has a love for the world. John is saying love for the God and love for the world, they are mutually exclusive. To love the world is to love evil. We looked last week at the world is not just everything about the world. It's not a hatred of the trees and the forest and the sea and the mountain. It's a love for that part of this world that is in opposition and rebellion to God. The world system, to have a love for the world system that's opposed to God, cannot be done in in correlation with a love for God. To love the world is to love evil. To love the world is to despise God. To love the world is to love darkness and hate the light. So we're told whoever loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, there are passages in Scripture that are are so direct and they are so clear uh, that sometimes our minds and our hearts fail to be startled at it. Uh, This is one of them. Uh, This is one of those passages that we sometimes just glance very quickly and we don't think about what he's really saying. He's not saying you might not. He's not saying there's a possibility you don't. He says, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Not that it's fading away, but that it's not in you. The love of the Father is absent when the love of the world is in its place. Again, we looked at this last week that that word love there is not just a, is not in a single or singular tense. It's actually Loves, it means to, as a matter of habit, as a matter of continual action. 
If my continual habit of life is a love of the world, then I do not have the love of the Father. So if anyone continually, habitually loves the world, what is John saying? The love of the Father is not in him. So to love the world means you esteem the things of the world, it's organized rebellion and opposition against God, that's what you love. The love of the Father is not in you. So who then loves the Father? Who is the love of the Father in? Who loves the Father and does not love the world? Well, first of all, we know that the only ones who can love the Father must be born of the Father. You must be a believer to love the Father. You cannot be unregenerate here today, unsaved, and love God. It's impossible for the sinner who's still unconverted to love God. Now, you might admire things about God. You might say you love certain things that God has created, but you don't love God. Those who are born of God, we've been learning through our study of 1 John, have a divine nature. They have a nature that's been given to them. We still have our old sin nature. We have dual natures and we are still prone to sin. We understand that. And you do have the ability to love God. So as a child of God here today, when we're told to love God, that is not a maybe. You actually will love God. Perfectly? No. Sinlessly? No. But your manner of life is marked by your love for God, not your love for the world. Again, nobody who's truly in Christ loves the opposition or the rebellion to God in this world. For example, if you find yourself being supportive of opposition to God in this world, you have to question and ask yourself, why am I in support of that which is opposed to God? It's a fair question. If God is clearly being opposed and it's a rebellion to God and you say, but I support that, is the love of the Father in you? This is a startling passage. This is why we've parked here. Because this is not a simple thought that we just check off as if, okay, we've heard it. Let's move on to verse 16. There's a very important truth here that John is driving home under the inspiration of the Spirit. So those who are born of God, who have a divine nature in them, will love God. So clearly what John is saying today is the love of the Father is not in someone. Those who the, Father, who the love of the Father is not in is the unregenerate man. If you're unsaved, the love of the Father is not in you in any way, shape, or form. Love not the world. Again, don't set your heart on it. Don't set your heart on the things in this world. All the things in this world will ultimately perish. James asked the question, what is your life? He describes it as a vapor, like a mist. It appears for a moment and it's gone. We're told in Colossians to set our affections on things above, not on things below or beneath. 
We hear beautiful expressions such as you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So the reason that John speaks so clearly here why we should not love the world because the love of the Father is in us. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Gives us perfect light on the subject that's at hand here. We're not to love the world, the things that are in the world. There's been a theme today starting at prayer meeting about our hearts. I unknowingly, almost every hymn today, and I promise you, I had no idea how many times the word heart was going to show up in our hymns today. And yet that's been the theme, and that's exactly what he's talking about here. The love of your heart. Do not set your heart upon those things which are in opposition to God. Our whole heart, we learned, is to seek after God, to love his testimonies, to love who he is. The world should not be our chief God. Some will live as if the world, I don't want to give it up. I'm unwilling to be parted from it. I don't want to be separated from all that it is. Do you realize there are people who love this world so much that they, are, they don't even want to be separated from it by death? Can you imagine loving the world so much that I don't want to die because I don't want to live, I don't want to give it up? Well, what's the difference with those who have the love of the Father in them? We know that death is to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we go put our, our lives in some way that we may end it early, but we don't dread death because we understand that on the other side of that, because we're not attached to this world. At least you shouldn't be. I mean, how many things in our life do we not want to give up? And again, this, is not a, this sermon today is not about the things in your life, your life you need to give up and throw on the bonfire. I'm just simply saying, how attached are you to the things of this world? You see, there are those that that is all they're living for. A love for the world, when we can be removed from it in a single heartbeat, in a single breath, do you actually believe that within the next 10 minutes, you could draw your last breath? You say, no, I'm too young for that to happen. Your age plays no part in that. This world is fleeting. Eternity is exactly what it sounds like. It's forever. The eternity, the eternal life, and yet some believe this world is going to remain as it is. It's not going to remain as it is. One day there will be no sin. There'll be no sorrow. But why would you be unwilling to part with what it is now? What could you possibly love in this world more than Christ? That's the question. We're not to love the world we're not to make it our chief God. We shouldn't be unwilling to be parted from it. If we're unwilling or undesired, desirable of having this world removed from us, this is going to prove to us that the love of the Father is not in you. you say, That's too bold of a statement, preacher. That's the truth. 
That's what John is saying here. If you love the world more than you love God, the love of the Father is not in you. Again, we'll talk about this in just a few moments. Even our love for God did not originate in us. That wasn't your decision to love God. Without the divine nature being imparted into you, you want nothing to do with God. You were content to be the enemy of God and you would have stayed there had God not loved you first. What do we know about God's love? We know he loved us before the foundation of the world. Just let your mind and your heart settle for a minute on that. I mean, we read these things and we hear them and we hear them and we say it quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loved us for the foundation of the world. Do you realize what that means? Do you realize what kind of a, what kind of a God it takes to love before the foundation of the world, to love before it's even there? To love before it even sees you? To love before you even exist? Because he doesn't love you based upon what you would become. He loves you according to his sovereign good pleasure. So that you can't boast. So if you sit here today and you say, I have the love of the Father in me, it's not because you built that up, it's because he loved you first. It's always what God did first. Not what you did first. He loved us for the foundation of the world. If we have the right thoughts and views of this world, you're going to love Him because you understand His love for you is an eternal love. I have a hard time in my own mind putting these things together. But we think about love and we think about how does love begin? Love begins by setting our thoughts upon it. Can you ever think about an almighty God, a perfectly holy and righteous God, setting his thoughts upon sinners? Think about it. It's easy to set your thoughts upon somebody who you potentially might love because they might bring something to you. But imagine the God of creation setting his love upon you and putting his thoughts upon you. Before he formed the very world in which we dwell, and by the way, God did create this world. He created this earth. We fully believe in creation. We fully believe this is God's world. We deny and reject all forms of intelligent design and evolution and all the other silly, foolish things that are there. God created it. And yet if we're right with God, we're going to have the right view and the right thoughts about this world. We're going to think about why did God even create the world? What was his purpose? The purpose of this world is in Christ Jesus. The purpose of this world is in Christ Jesus concerning us. He set his mind and set his heart upon us. He set his thoughts upon us for the foundations of the world and all the things that are in it with the purpose of Christ redeeming. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, precious truths, People, most everybody here probably has heard a thousand times. Ephesians 1, 4 through 7, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, 
having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. God the Father fixed our place, our circumstances, our situation in this world. You know, a lot of people struggle and they fight against God's providential hand. They don't like where God has them. They don't like their circumstances. They don't like what their life has been. Yes, some of the things in our life are the result of bad, sinful choices. There's no question about that. But you understand that God fixed his thoughts upon you and placed you in the very place you are. Maybe for another sermon, Bart, are you content with where God has placed you? Are you content in the circumstances, whatever they are? You see, when your mind is upon the things of God and the love of the Father, you're not concerned about what the world has that you don't have. We'll be pleased with whatever God has given us according to His good pleasure. We would all say a very hearty amen we're thankful that according to the sovereign pleasure of his will, he saved us. We'd all say amen to that, but we're not so quick to say amen to God's sovereign pleasure and will in my day-to-day -day life. You see, there's a big difference there. We're pleased with whatever God's will is for us, concerning us, whatever our situation is in life. But yet again, what does John say? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is, a, this is a very deep expression. It's very comprehensive. It doesn't just cover one aspect. It takes into account all who are or may be under a profession of the Father's love. I know it doesn't seem like it in our world today, but do you know it's very popular to have God in your life? We're seeing the decline of the church in many ways, but we're also seeing the rise of the true church but there is a desire for people to have some form of godliness. But yet there's a lot of people who profess to love God who know nothing of God's love. He loved you before the world even was. He loved you when the world wasn't. We profess this. It's our confession Yet you could still today, being seated in this very building, still have most of your heart and your affections set upon the things of this world. Just being in a meeting place of the church does not mean the love of the Father is in you. Just because your name is on the membership role of this church doesn't mean the love of the Father is in you. The divine reality that John is confronting us with here is he's saying this is more than just professing it. This is more than just this is what I say I am. It is where is your heart and your mind and your affection really engaged and set upon? If your mind and heart is set upon something other than the Father's everlasting love for you, it's set upon the wrong thing. If there's something that could supersede God's love for me, there's a problem. There's a problem. How could the love of God be exceeded? 
How could knowing that God, before the foundation of the world, before the world was, that you who were the enemy of God, I who was the enemy of God, who had no righteousness in us, say, I prefer the opposing worldview of God. 1 John 4, 9 through 10, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. John was very specific about the our sins. When he uses the word our and the word us, he's not talking about the, the world as a whole. He's not talking about every single person who's ever lived ever. He's talking about those who he's actually died for. So if he's died for you, the love of the Father is in you. And yet, what can we say? What is John? What's our conclusion to what John is saying? Is it not evidence presented against us that if we love the world, here's the end result. The love of the Father is not in you. John is not into these perceptions. John is not speaking of what may or may not be. I believe the Bible deals in what are referred to as divine realities, which means when, when, the, when the Bible gives us these things, it's not, well, how do you perceive it? It's one of the great dangers when people sit around and they say something like this. Well, what does that passage mean to you? It's a terrible question. It isn't about what it means to you. It's what is the reality of what he's saying. And the reality of what he's saying is, is not what do you perceive this verse means or how does this verse make you feel? No, he's saying here that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Divine reality. If it's not there, if you love the world. What does it mean to profess something, to confess something, but not actually have it? It's worthless. If all you have is a profession of faith that is not backed by actually the way you live and what your affections are set on, it's worthless. It's valueless. It has no meaning whatsoever. It's like walking around with a sticker on you saying you're, you're a certain thing. It's just a sticker. doesn't mean it's what, you, what it says you are just because you profess it. You know how many, and I'll start here, you know how many pastors are walking around loving the world more than they love God? Do you know how many, you know how many times this could be applied to pastors and elders and deacons and congregations who don't really love God because they love the world? If God truly let us see that, how many do you think that would actually affect? More than you care to know. You can stand behind this pulpit week after week. I can stand behind this pulpit week after week and love this world and can say it. You might see it but not really the love of the Father not be in me. Divine realities. John declares it. If any man professes to be what he says or she says she is, 
then this will be true. They won't love the world. And the reason they don't love the world is because the love of the Father is in them. That's why you don't love the world, because the love of the Father is in you. You see the order there. God doesn't just say love the world and doesn't give you the explanation of how this is or how this divine reality takes place. The only reason you are not head over heels in love with this world today is because the love of the Father is in you. And everything you see wickedly going on in the world, had he not loved you first, you would be capable of doing and would be doing a lot of it. This is one of those, again, passages that brings us really to consider our own walk, consider our own profession. Is what we say actually true? 1 John 3, 1 through 3, John again, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, therefore the world knoweth us not. I could preach a whole sermon on that. The world knoweth us not. Why? Because it knew him not. I just can't figure out why the world is so dark. I can't figure out why people do what they do. Because they're in darkness. The light of the gospel is not shining in their heart and they're acting, listen, they're acting according to the only nature that they have. Why do we look at a sinful world and wonder why it keeps sinning? You expect it to. What you don't expect is those that are in the light to keep sinning and living like the world. That's the difference. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Divine, present tense reality. Not you will be the son of God. You are the son of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, we're not fully complete yet. We're not sinless yet. But we know that confidence when he shall appear, that's Christ, we shall be like him. Not in appearance, but in sinlessness. For we shall see him as he is. And every man, look at this, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. That means those who know these things are in fact living that and they are taking steps to purify themselves from the things of this world. And I did not come in today with a list of do nots and don'ts and throw away this and throw away that. But there are things in this world, things that are in opposition to the, of God, that just can't be there. Again, you can argue with it. That's your prerogative. You can argue with it, but that's what clearly is being said here. Where the knowledge of the Father's love for us is, where we truly know the Father loves us, this world cannot contain our response and our praise to him for it. If you truly apprehend even in a portion of God's love for you and what that means, there's nothing in this world you could possibly say, that's better, that's worth it. There's nothing in the world worth selling your soul for. And yet we have 
people in churches today that have already sold their souls to the world. They have a profession of faith. They confess it, but it's not reality. The conduct of this world, the beauty of the world, the charms of it, the pleasures of it. As John Owen said, the mortification of sin in our mind. How do you kill sin? When you see the love of God being shed abroad in your heart. When you truly know the love of God, you have a desire to kill sin. Nobody has to convince you you need to kill this. It's like having a snake in the house. Would I have to convince any of you? Would any of you be, well, maybe I shouldn't ask that. Welcome. Take a place up on the couch. Here, lay right next to me. You don't have to tell people who know the love of God and have the love of the Father in them that they desire to kill sin. When you've got to spend sermon after sermon telling people what to kill, there's a deeper problem. If I have to tell you what habits in your life are the problem or things in your life are the problem, the love of the Father maybe has not shed broad enough yet. That's why I don't bring a list. I didn't bring you a list of do's and do nots. Just a divine reality. Love the world, that which is in opposition to God, the love of the Father is not in them. Well, what else is in the world that we're not to love? Corrupt doctrines. We only think about this like in the world of sinful things, like the things we're common with. But what about corrupt doctrine? What about false religion? What about those who are trying to bridge the gap to say we can all get along if we'll just agree on these two, three, or four important points? God forbid we do that. God forbid we get to the place where we can say, we'll just ignore all the other doctrines, but as long as we're good on this one, we're good. No. Remember, we talked about this last week, that there is the love of the world is also the false religion, which is an opposition and rebellion to God. We're more partial to this world than we want to realize. Yet this world offers us nothing. So the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle John here rather, is telling us this by way of a caution, by way of an exhortation, and a conclusion. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The expression, the love of the Father is not in him, implies the love of the Father is in the heart of that person who loves not the world, but prefers it to God only. It's not the love of God takes up 75% of my heart, but I reserve the other 25 for that which is in opposition to God. Again, you don't have to tell believers here today what in this world is actually opposed to God. What is actually in rebellion to God? And of those things, what are we finding enjoyment in? What are the things of the world that shouldn't be there? What love do we have? 
But to have the love of the Father in our mind, to have a true knowledge of what it means to be loved before the foundation of the world. Folks, there's nothing more glorifying and enriching to your spirit and your soul today than to know the love of God. And if you know the love of God, there are, there are things that come right along with that. Again, nobody, nobody would say, I love whatever, I love my spouse, I love my children, and then have no demonstration of that love towards them. Oftentimes we think about to have the love of the Father and to know the love of God. We make mistakes by simply saying, well, we won't really know the love of God until we get to heaven. I'm going to disagree with that. Because here's what I do believe. If we truly know the love of God, it's not going to be more fully known. It's going to be more fully enjoyed. Oh, we're going to have a clearer vision of it because that old sin nature is not going to be there anymore. But to say, well, you know, you can't know the love of God until you get to heaven when I'm, until I'm sinless. That's not true. How many times did the Apostle Paul speak about the love of God? Again, most of the references today are from 1 John chapter 5. Again, divine realities. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Notice I'm not asking you, what does that mean to you? How does that make you feel? It means exactly what it says. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone that loveth him, that begat loveth him, also that is begotten of him, love of the Father. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? It's a question but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Divine reality. To give a summary and to try to tell you all that's in the world that you should avoid, what you should put off, what you should stay away from, we could do it. I can assure you, here's what will happen. There'll be disagreements on it. Well, I think that that's not as bad and that's not so bad we can do that. We'll declare what the divine reality is. Folks, this is not the time to be dealing with in perspective and perception and what we think is real, what we feel, what our emotions are telling us. There are, there are truths that are so clearly defined that to not follow them is to just be in disobedience to the clear teaching of God's word. The love of the Father is a love in totality for the Father. The love of the world 
is a love for the world in totality. All that is in the world, we're going to look at this next week. Look, notice what he says. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. We're going to deal with these, each one of these individually. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. What's the next words? Is not of the Father. It's a reality. But is, present tense, has been, will be, always is, of the world. Lust, pride, is of the world. All that is in the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. John says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Is the love of the Father in you? I'm not asking you today to make a decision for Christ. I'm not asking you to intellectually consider. I'm not asking you to ponder, to think, to feel. Is the love of the Father in you? Are you today dead in your trespasses and sins? Have you repented of your sins and trusted Christ alone? Have you believed the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, salvation is always and always will be a work of the Lord. But the universal call to the gospel goes out to you. It goes out to each one of us. You know, every time that we give the command to repent and believe, every one of us, even if we have professed faith and even if we're in Christ and we see the assurances, we should still listen and we should still hear them. Even if it's only to be reminded of what the Father's love means to us. And that the love of the Father is in us. Let's pray together.